Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. a children's lesson today and I'm hoping there's some kids that would like to come up here for that. I have something I want to show you. So, do I have any takers? Come on up, guys. Is there any more? I could up the age a little bit. Maybe that'd help. So just sit right down here, okay? I'll show you something. So, I have just one simple question for you. First of all, what can water do? Hey, there's more coming up. <laughs> Nothing like Big Brother to help you here. So, I got a glass of water here. I want you to think about what, what can water do? Any ideas? What can water do? That is right. That's the one I want to talk about, especially. Can you think of anything else that water can do? It can put out fires. Good. Yep. Can make a mess. What if I was to pour it like that? It'd make you wet, right? Yep. And sometimes it makes a mess. Like under my sink at home, it fell apart and I had water all over my floor. Sometimes water makes a mess, but. You mentioned that I could make things grow, and I want to show you something here today. So, I brought a bag here. You know what those are? You can pass those down and take a look at them. That's bean seeds, little bean seeds, okay? But notice something here now. I soaked some bean seeds like that. It's the same seeds. Now look what happened to them. They got bigger, didn't they? Yeah, you can see those. You can compare those. You can pass those down there, too. And I think it's just amazing what, what can happen with some water and some sun. So here is a bean seed a little bit later. Look at that. You can come over here closer if you want to take a look. Isn't that fascinating? There it is. And those two parts are going to, it's going to split in half, and then it's going to form leaves. And it starts looking like this. See, this is where the seed was. Isn't that amazing? What God does with a little bit of water and some sun. Well, today's lesson is, is going to be about the Holy Spirit of God. And it, and it tells us that the Spirit of God is kind of like water, okay? It makes things come alive. The Holy Spirit works in our hearts, and when, when he comes into our hearts, even at baptism when we're little, and he helps us. Um, and as we get older, um, the Holy Spirit works in our heart and our mind. And, and uh, how do you know what's right and wrong? Well, the Holy Spirit speaks to us in our conscience, and he tells us what's right and wrong. And as we learn Bible stories and things about God in, in the Bible, um, he helps us learn more and more so we can walk in a relationship with God and we are spiritually alive. But we have to be willing to listen, right? Sometimes do you not want to listen? you ever feel like that? Me too, yep. And, and so then we need to pray and we say, Holy Spirit of God, help me to want to listen and do what you want me to do so I can follow God. Okay, let's pray. 
Lord, I just want to thank you for, for these uh, young kids and for your work in their hearts, even from a very young age. Thank you that your Holy Spirit helps them to understand right and wrong and, and to come to know you and, and to walk in a relationship with you. Help them, Lord. Help all of us that we would listen uh, to the Holy Spirit's promptings in our hearts and that we would seek to follow you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for coming up here today. As we think about water, uh, the, the threat of a spring flood here in the Red River Valley this year turned out to be kind of a non-issue, didn't it? Apparently the ground was uh, really thirsty. Uh, I, I think of in my own backyard, I had uh, about three feet deep of snow covering my whole garden, and, and it all disappeared in days. Um, and after that, then we got a couple of inches of rain as well, and it greened everything up, and, and then the sun came out, and it dried out the ground enough so... Farmers and, and gardeners have gotten their crops and things planted, and, and uh, now we've had a number of hot days, and it seems to me the ground is already getting thirsty again. Walked out my backyard this morning to get these uh, plants, and I and, uh, could see cracks in the, in the ground again. Well, the text that we're going to look at today speaks about God's provision for a thirsty land and also for thirsty people, and it's found in um, Isaiah chapter 44. I invite you to stand in reverence to God's word as I read there, beginning with verse 1. Isaiah 44, beginning with verse 1. But now hear, O Jacob my servant, and Israel whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you and who formed you from the womb and will help you. Fear not, O Jacob my servant, Jeshurun whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants, and they shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. This one will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call on the name of Jacob, and another will write on his hand the Lord's and name himself by the name of Israel. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last, and besides me there is no God. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, and we pray that as we meditate on these verses, you would help us to understand the significance of of the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives uh, to make us alive spiritually. Uh, We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. The... uh, Old Testament prophet Isaiah prophesied during a time when when the nation of Israel had largely turned their back on God and God had brought judgment on them as a result uh, by bringing the Assyrian army and and wiping them out. In the chapters leading up to the text for today, then Isaiah was predicting that the same thing was going to happen to the southern nation, the nation of Judah, and, and that they would be overrun by the Babylonians and carried off into exile. And this, too, was because the people of Judah had largely turned their backs on God and turned to idol worship and and selfish living. And and though Isaiah predicted that this judgment of God was going to come on this nation of Judah, he also promised that God would not forget them, but he would yet help them. 
As we, uh, this Memorial Day weekend, reflect on our own nation's history, we remember those that have given their very lives in order that we might enjoy the freedoms that we have in this land. And many of us also pause to uh, remember our parents and our grandparents and, and the godly values that many of them instilled in us. And we can't help but recognize that as a whole, though, our nation, the United States of America, like the nations of Israel and Judah, has strayed away from God. And people have instead looked for satisfaction in all kinds of sinful and empty pursuits when what their spirits really thirst for can only be found in restored relationship with their Creator. Isaiah reminds us here today that help is available for thirsty souls if they'll acknowledge their, their Maker. And it has to start there. Why should we expect God to help people who refuse to acknowledge He even exists? Some of us um, recently had the opportunity to listen to Mike Huckabee uh, as he spoke at the uh, North Dakota Family Alliance dessert event, and, and he talked about faith and family and freedom, and he told us this, if, if America is to survive, we must return to belief in a creator of humanity that we're answerable to, and to an understanding that he is the one that sets the rules. And he stated, if we won't acknowledge our creator, there is no hope for us. And he gave us this example, the example of musical instruments and how they are tuned by a rigid, fixed standard of what the pitch is. And he explained that, that we have chaos in our society because we have not tuned to God's standard. However, we're, we're experiencing really in our, our nation a, a, a drought, a spiritual drought, uh, where people are no longer even hearing the word of God. One study said this, that 65% of children ages 7 through 17 in our country have never even been to a church or a synagogue or a mosque. 65%. Where then are they going to be told about their creator? It's going to have to come from us who know him. And God spoke through the Old Testament prophet Isaiah to a nation that was in decline but a nation that he still cared for. And he said there in verse 1, But now listen, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. That, <coughs> excuse me, Thus says the Lord who made you and formed you from the womb and who will help you. Verse 6, God further explains about himself. And he says, There is no God besides me. Which means then that all the other gods that people would talk about or say that they believe in are, are really just self-invented notions idols, and, and really nothing. And our Creator says this about Himself, then He says, He is the first and the last. As first, he, he doesn't have a Creator. He alone remains standing. And there, An idol can never be the first, because an idol needs somebody to make it. An idol can never be the last, because they'll wear out and break. But the Lord God of Israel is both the first and the last. He's completely unique. He says, besides me, there is no God. A Montner in his commentary says this, at, at first he does not derive his being from any other, but, but is, he's is self-existing. As last he remains supreme at the end. He also describes himself in verse 6 as the Lord. Now, Lord is someone who, is, who uh, has power or authority or influence. He's a master or a ruler. Well, who is our Creator Lord over? He tells us in verse 6 also that He is the King of Israel, and He's also Israel's Redeemer. 
The Old Testament reveals that, that God established this special relationship with Abraham and his descendants, and, and he set them apart to be his people who would then live in a relationship with him, and, and they would serve him. And, and so after that, then the descendants of Abraham, his son Isaac, his grandson Jacob, who was known as Israel, um, became many in number. They multiplied. And, and for a time, then, they became enslaved down in Egypt. And, and God then rescued them from slavery, he redeemed them and he brought them into the promised land. And the rest of the Old Testament then reveals how time after time still those Israelites strayed away from God and he time after time redeemed them and he drew them back to himself. Verse 6 here also, um, our God, our creator, calls himself the Lord of hosts. That's an interesting term. I, I understand it that there's uh, 275 times in the Old Testament that he uses that terminology, the Lord of hosts. And he, it presents in one of the most important Old Testament pictures of God and his work. The, the term hosts is actually a military term referring then to the ranks and the divisions of the, of the troops. And, and so Lord of hosts then helps us to grasp um, all of those things that are under God's command. And that includes the angels, um, we call them the heavenly host, uh, and also God's people, and then even all living creatures. And you know, we sing about that whenever we sing the doxology. We sing, praise God from whom all blessings flow, praise him all creatures here below, praise him above, ye heavenly host, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And, and so the creator who's Lord, the Lord of hosts, um, and, and this same one then who has predicted also a judgment that would come on the nation of Judah, yet he tells them here in this passage that they are not to fear, and he promises that he will help them. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. Jeshurun um, is, is really an affectionate term of, of God for the people of Israel. It actually literally means upright. And though the people of Israel and Judah had not lived upright lives, still this was God's desire for them, and he declares still that they are his chosen people. And I have to think then that, that his calling them upright here also then is describing this reality that he as their redeemer still sees them. Though they are sinners, he has forgiven them, and thus they stand clean in his sight. You see the awesome Lord of hosts loves his own so much he provides a way of redemption for them. And, and uh, we see, if you look back, right in the chapter right previous to this here, um, 43 verse 25, there it tells us of how he helps people first by wiping out their sins. He says, I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I'll remember not your sins. How is it possible for a holy and just God to just wipe out people's sins instead of punishing them like they deserve. It's possible because of the substitute sin bearer. The prophet Isaiah also predicted, and we have that in the chapters following this here, details concerning the coming Messiah, the Savior that would die this substitutionary death and take on himself then the punishment of the sins for the world. And, and, and he was speaking then of the forgiveness that would be available through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Forgiveness for all that will admit their sins and turn from them and believe then in, in his son Jesus as their savior. 
And as this promise was available to the people of Israel and Judah hundreds of years ago, it's still available to us if, if we will humble ourselves and confess our sins and trust in, in Jesus, the Savior that he sent. Well, this same creator, this redeemer God, this Lord of hosts, we're told in this passage, helps the land. He helps the land by pouring out water on it. And, and, and we've seen that this season. Um, the massive transformation of color we experienced around us outside after those couple inches of rain that we got this spring, it, it transformed what was dry and brown to lush and green. Water brings life where there is none. And I showed the kids in the children's lesson here the example of seeds that come to life with water. I think it's fascinating also, over in Israel, I had the privilege of visiting over there a number of years ago, and, and it's significant to see there that where there was once dry, barren desert, now that same land is raising extraordinary crops. One of Israel's greatest inventions is what they call drip irrigation systems. And as I understand it, that water is now about 75% of Israel's crops. I understand that in a way to be a fulfillment then of the prophecy here in verse 3 where he says, I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. Well, this same Lord over creation who helps the land by, by pouring out water on it, also he tells us and helps his people by pouring out, on his, pouring out his spirit upon them. Verse 3, he says, I will pour, my, pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. And this too, the, the prophet Isaiah predicted. Well, when was he predicting this outpouring of the Spirit would come? You know, the prophets didn't necessarily know the time frame when they predicted. God only revealed to them just a view off in the horizon sometime of things that were to come someday. We today know um, after Isaiah, there followed actually a period of time of about 400 years of spiritual drought, 400 years without any new word from God, without any prophets speaking from God. And then God poured out his spirit on John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, and, and then on Jesus Christ himself, who powerfully then spoke the word of God and, and turned many hearts back to the Lord God. And at the, toward the end of Jesus' three years of ministry, he promised then also the, the, the coming of the, of the Holy Spirit of God, coming with power to then empower his followers to, to be his witnesses and to take his message of forgiveness of sin and eternal life to the rest of the world. God's Spirit was mightily upon those early disciples as they then spread that message. And down through the next two centuries after that, then we have seen in recorded history various times where the power of the Holy Spirit has been shown on leaders of the Christian faith. And there have also been times of drought as well. But wherever there are willing receptacles, God has poured out his Spirit. And we see the results of the filling of the Holy Spirit in people's lives today as well. And as you look in our text here in verses 4 to 5 here, um, it mentions some of those results of his pouring out his Spirit. Um, and, and they are, you might say, similar to the results of water on the land. Verse 4 here he says, They will spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. Another translation says poplars. Um, there must be a similarity in, in both of those kinds of trees. What I know about poplars is that it seems like they will spring up anywhere the wind blows their seed and then they get some moisture. 
And I noticed just recently driving home, taking an alternate route home, just a couple miles south of uh, I-94, there, there's this low spot where it seems uh, um, it takes a while before they can ever plant. Sometimes they can't plant there. Um, but there now, there's a whole bunch of little popple trees springing up there with the water that was there. Well, here the prediction of Isaiah the prophet is that Israel's offspring would spring up like that. And he's not talking about a physical springing up tall. Uh, we, we've seen that, some of us, uh, our sons and daughters, shoot up over the summer, it seems like. And that's amazing in itself to see how fast they grow physically. But the blessing that's mentioned here is of a spiritual nature, offspring that would become spiritually alive and filled with the Spirit of God. Well, Jesus himself had predicted uh, and described such a filling of the Holy Spirit in terms that are related to water. And we read from a text in John 7 earlier about that. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and he cried out saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Then it explains, but this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So those who have the Holy Spirit of God become spiritually alive. And Isaiah also then described the, the life of the, with the Holy Spirit, or the life that the Holy Spirit would bring in, in another way in verse 5 there, and he says this, this one will say, I am the Lord's. Another one will call on the name of Jacob. Another will write on his hand, the Lord's. Name himself for the name of Israel. Isaiah is describing there people that know a personal relationship with their God. They have a confidence about that. They are assured of it. Well, how is that possible to have that? Well, the Holy Spirit works in their hearts to bring that assurance. You go to Romans chapter 8, and it, it describes that. There it says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to, leading to fear again but you receive the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And then he says, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. When people believe in and receive Jesus as their, as their Savior, the Holy Spirit then takes up residence within them. And, and, and he then, through the word of God, assures them in their hearts that their sins are forgiven, that, that the relationship with their creator has been restored. Well, Isaiah's prof prophecy was pointing ahead to a time when the offspring of God's people would live with that kind of a confidence. They, they would know where they come from and where they're going because they walk in a relationship with their creator God and go against the trends of our society. And as parents and as grandparents, this is what we should pray concerning our children, isn't it? That they'd walk in that confident relationship with God and be guided by his spirit in their lives. And not only that, but that they would then also be bold witnesses to their generation, pointing their peers um, to the Redeemer and their Savior. As we on this Pentecost Sunday think of the coming of the Holy Spirit, we must keep in mind that, that our God is a missionary God. William Temple said it this way. He said, no one can be indwelt by the Spirit of God and keep that Spirit to himself. Where the Spirit is, he flows forth. If there's no flowing forth, he's not there. If we are to be part of spreading the gospel in our society, we need to recognize our absolute dependence 
on the Holy Spirit. Uh, back in 1989, um, a group of um, Christian leaders got together and they wrote a statement called the Manila Manifesto. And this is how they summarized the work of the Holy Spirit. It said, the Holy Spirit anoints the messenger, confirms the word, prepares the hearer, convicts the sinful, enlightens the blind, gives life to the dead, enables us to repent and believe, unites us to the body of Christ, assures us that we are God's children, leads us into Christ-like character and service, and sends us out in our turn to be Christ's witnesses. We look around this time of year and, and we're reminded of how God satisfies the thirsty land by pouring water upon it. Do we also recognize how our country is thirsty? Thirsty for a fresh pouring out of the Holy Spirit of God in the hearts and lives of people. Well, what is God waiting for in order to do that? I believe it comes down to this. He desires receptive hearts in which to pour out his spirit and his blessing. And we who are Christians have the Holy Spirit of God living within us. But perhaps we sometimes forget. We forget his presence and his power to help us. And over again, then, uh, over and over again we, we tend to rely on our own strength and, and we find it lacking. And we need to humbly then pray and ask him, fill us and use us. I mentioned references there in, in uh, your outline in the bulletin here about this. But we see this over and over in, in Scripture, Old Testament and New, both. Um, words that remind us of, of the need for receptive hearts. Isaiah 55, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Incline your ear and come to me, he says there. Matthew 5, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. John chapter 4, Jesus answered and said to the woman at the well, Everyone who drinks of, the wa of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst, for the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Is it not our goal as Christians that, that we would be vessels of the Holy Spirit of God that he can use for his glory? God's looking for thirsty souls to fill with his grace and his forgiveness in Christ. He's, he's looking for receptive hearts in which to pour out his spirit and his blessings. He, he's looking for willing people to be his witnesses in a dark and hurting world. And, and he promises the Holy Spirit of God to fill us and empower us to do what he calls us to do. Let us pray. Lord God, we just give you thanks today for your word reminding us uh, of the Holy Spirit that... Um, comes to live within us when we trust in Jesus, the Savior. The Holy Spirit who works, first of all, even to bring us to, to faith uh, and works through your word to, to tell us of, of who you are and, and all that you've done for us so that we would believe. And, and Lord, we, we admit today that, that we often forget the, the power that is available within us um, of your Spirit. And, and we live sometimes struggling all on, our, all on our own. Help us that we would daily uh, look to you for empowerment to live the Christian life and, and boldness to, to share the gospel with others that so desperately need to hear that. Lord, we look around us and we recognize that our, that our land is thirsty, not just for water physically, but Lord, that the people in this land 
are, are looking for something that will satisfy their souls. And they're looking all kinds of places, and we know that uh, what will really only satisfy is you. And, and so we pray that your Holy Spirit would pour afresh, even on our land, and bring, a, bring about a conviction of sin, bring about a revival in this land. And Lord, that you would work that in each of our hearts, even today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.